Hey everybody and welcome to the Health Tech Podcast where we talk about everything healthcare and technology. I'm your host, James Somaru, and this is your weekly Sunday session. Hey everybody, this week I've got Elliot Engers back and he's the founder of Infinity Health. They do some awesome stuff in task management in the NHS here in the UK. I frequently reference Elliot's uh, thoughts on pulling the thread when it comes to solving problems in hospitals. But uh, yeah, had Elliot back to have a little bit of a recap on the year and yeah, hope you enjoy it. So Elliot, welcome back to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing? Good, thanks James. Thanks for having me back. You're very welcome. Uh, it's been yeah. a while, hasn't it? How long, how long has it been since you've been on? Oh, it must be coming up to the year now. We're at the beginning of the year, we were. That is outrageous, know, isn't it? Dreaming about the fantastic year we were about to have. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, what what on earth? What on earth happened? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, a lot. I think a lot's happened, right? We were just saying um, some people have experienced some very high highs and some very very low lows. Um, I don't think I get to complain, um, but the. There's been an awful lot of movement. There's been a lot of challenges. I think there's been a lot of successes over the year. And um, I think I'm ready for 2020 to be over. <laughs> um, and the vaccine's here. Um, and it's, it's, we're planning the rollout. It's been a big year. You've, it you've it has house. been a big year. And it's been, it's, been, well, it's been a big year for myself as well. Plenty going on. But I yep. think... Yeah, I think you're right. I think for the for the health tech space, in fact, I shameless plug it. So I I just wrote a Forbes article last night on um, well, it was originally on the AI award that the the NHSX gave out. So 140 million over a few different cohorts that they're just sort of grant funding AI startups. And when I was about to publish it last night, I then started looking at the NHS England figures, the the waiting list times, 4.4 million people on waiting lists now. 160,000 been waiting longer than a year. Like it's, it's crazy that during COVID-19 health care kind of stopped for us to focus on the immediate issue, but the disease processes just carried on obviously. Yep. And loads yeah, more with loneliness and with mental health issues. Like so much was so much kept going that there's this now, there's now this huge backlog. So my article changed slightly to actually, well, th- thank goodness that we've got this front-loaded, seemingly quite high-tech process going in, in on in the background of people thinking about how we're going to actually not only grant fund, but actually adopt AI as well as mm-hmm. develop AI. Because actually what NHSX are doing is they're, they're funding the ground floor of it with ideas. They're also grant, like grant funding the top end as well. The Chiron Medicals and the IBEX Medical Analytics, like th- those type that can roll out. And, and so... I don't know. It just it just seemed to me when I was writing it last night that there is that the the vaccines here. There's optimism. Where it looks like we're going to be able to solve a problem, but there's plenty to do. And you guys, I, I talk about you so often on the podcast because I, I reference this point where I, I often say when people think about solving problems, that when it comes to healthcare, you you, you try and solve one problem. And it's like you said, you start pulling on the thread. You know, we just wanted to solve handover. We just thought handover is just a piece of paper. We can solve this with like a nice iPad or something. But actually you try and solve handover and you've actually got to solve the entire 12 hours before handover of task management before you're going to solve handover. And so actually you start pulling at any thread in healthcare and actually these are all the problems that you've got to solve. And so it seems to me now 
people talk about solving the backlog, getting rid of the backlog. We've also then got to do the vaccine as well, by the way. But there are a couple of threads there that need pulling. There is a heck of a lot that is going to be unearthed when we start pulling that thread. And I know you guys are in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, who, yeah, let's talk about that backlog for just a second. Yeah. I mean, the, it is, it's quite, it must be quite daunting. Uh, daunting to the point that a lot of people, I think, are sticking their heads in the sand. So they're concentrating on vaccine, they're concentrating on winter pressures, and what's right in front of them, because they don't have the bandwidth um, to look that far down the road, but we have this growing backlog still. And what's going to solve that? It's not going to be more of the same, because Correct. more of the same with less staff, that, that's an equation that doesn't work at all. So we, um, I think, you know, like recent history, like when a need happened, like suddenly people couldn't see their GPs, the, the companies that solved that problem were the small, agile, like determined uh, health tech companies that were there to help. They saw a problem, they knew how they could solve it, and they did it. And we got rapid adoption of video consultation by companies like AccuRx and Doctor Doctor, like doing Q Doctor, um, and rightly so. That's amazing that they did that. And then the centre responded by giving them a framework on which to operate. And sure, I bet it wasn't perfect, but better than the center saying, okay, we're going to build Skype, just wait. <laughs> so at least that didn't happen. Um, and I think that was really great collaboration between sort of the startup space, the center, and all of the GPs. And then I, I, like all this interest in AI, I think is absolutely there, but there's some fundamentals that could just be done by these smaller companies. Like recently, but we've had a win, um, which I, I hope we can talk about a little bit. Um, we can be really useful, solve big problems very, very quickly, securely, um, at a time when I don't think that innovation is going to come from, this, from inside the organizations. I don't think it's going to come from the bigger companies that have large established code bases that are hard to move. Uh, so I do, I think that there's, there's been like this massive shift um, this year and I, I'd like long may that continue. Yeah, I agree with the shift. I agree with the fact that there's definitely been a palpable change in mindset. It seems to me that, or it feels to me that when it comes to health tech and innovation, media are a lot more friendly to it because that's the game i'm in largely at the minute it seems that startups themselves are more optimistic about what can be done but i think partly that might be because of this realization there's been clearly a a gaping hole for certain innovations in health tech for a while this has accelerated those and there's partly been this element for me anyway if you, if you weren't relevant in this bit and you're not going to be relevant in the next bit to clear the backlog and help streamline things are you relevant at all and i think there is this element of the nice to haves have have seemingly disappeared i'm not mm -hmm. i'm i'm not seeing or hearing any banging on the door of the the lesser ideas let's call it the ideas that i you know i or you or anybody wouldn't really think are, are, are goers i haven't really been getting much of that because people have seemingly just gone okay here's the here, here's the bar who meets it 
show yourselves. And people have met it and people have been adopted and implemented. And it seems to me that there's been a lot of clarity, I think, on that. And I'm wondering if that's the same for you guys, because you, you obviously streamline so much in what you do. Has it been a case of, we need this now? Can you come in, please, and show us and, and just get it in? Or is it, has it still been a bit friction, full of friction? I mean, I don't know. New problems. So I think we traded one set of problems for another. Um, but the, these problems are much easier to solve. So um, there were a lot of projects that stalled, right? So, and, and recently, for instance, like there, there are trusts that are hit, hit, hitting like Opal 4 levels, you know, and, um, you know, they, they're, they're having to close their doors or um, they're really struggling. So it's, it's unlikely that you're going to implement anything that's nice to have right now. Yeah. Everything is essential, right? That's, that, I, that I 100% agree with. Like the, the, all, every conversation became, if it's not important now, I'm not having this conversation. Um, and that's happened everywhere. Um, in our business as well. I think that's actually been the biggest challenge internally is that we like, haven't had enough time to even like kind of nurture some of the, um, you know, the, the team stuff that we have. Sure. But um, yeah, I think that, that every, every relationship is now uh, uh, and every discussion is essential. So some of those projects have stalled, but then we've been told we really need infinity in our back pocket because we've got all of this, we've got this backlog building up and we just, we've now got to get through more activity with less staff faster than we've ever done. And we can't afford to let quality drop. And so that's, that's just infinity turned up to 11. That's, that's so we, we've seen a huge amount of interest, but I would caution as well. Like what we do does, isn't something, we don't do this to organizations. We definitely do it. It sounds like such a cliche, but we do it with organizations and with teams like we can't go in and say to have you know a high performing rapid response team that are kind of receiving referrals getting out to that patient's home within two hours doing diagnostic testing um avoiding like emergency that that has to be done with them not to them and so you really need to spend some time with them that's been really hard like we've not been able to spend like buddy up and literally shadow uh, this, these frontline teams and understand them. So we're spe- like that, working out how to interview them and extract like where the real pain points are and where we can help has been tough. Uh, but we've focused. We've done. I think we've responded really admirably to that. And like most recently, so for the, for um, your listeners uh, that don't know, that uh, uh, about three weeks ago, Public Health England decided they wanted all frontline hospital staff. It's 250,000 people to self-test twice a week. Um, so that's half a million tests a week across 200 odd organizations. That's, a, that's, a, that's laying down the gauntlet. Like you, you, you now need to um, process all of these tests. And it's also asking staff to test before they go into work. And this is so t- to understand, I am, um, I'm not medical by background. Um, you should be talking to Joe if you want that information. But the, um, as I understand it, asymptomatic testing at home, you swab, um, and half an hour later you have a result. Um, and if if you have very high levels of COVID um, viral load, it's very accurate. Um, I think there's some question about its accuracy lower down. But this asymptomatic testing in combination with other types of testing, PCR testing, uh, can be a very powerful tool that keeps staff and patients safe. So 
they're being asked to do this at home. And so what trusts would typically do in that, so let's, let's demystify it for everybody. So without infinity, um, you're faced as a trust with, right, um, Public Health England have said for every test that gets completed, they need the first name, the last name, the date of birth, the email address, the phone number, the home host code. I need the test yeah, strip number. I need, yeah. And for everybody that had an invalid test, I need to know that they took a repeat test that day. And for everybody that got a positive test, I want to know the outcome of their PCR test. All very reasonable things to know. Um, but that, so how do, you, how do you satisfy that? And so what trusts do is they, get, they create a web form at least they don't send everyone a paper form, <laughs> but they, they create a form on, on, online. And that, that form either exists entirely out in the open where anybody can submit a test result or it sits behind a firewall on the internet. And it's like, for those that don't know, that means that if you're at home, there's a very large proportion of your staff that aren't going to have access to that. And there's a lot of staff that are patient-facing like porters, for instance, that won't have access to the staff intranet. So this is not a great solution. Plus, for the staff member, it means completing all of that information that they require twice a week. And most staff aren't you know, going to have saved form fields and stuff to make this easier for themselves. So it's not ideal. And so we thought that's something we can definitely be useful for. Like that is a perfect example of how infinity can help so what we say is we go to, we say to trust give us the email addresses of all your staff we'll email them all securely once and we'll say please submit your information and then they complete their information once via this secure link they don't need to log in it will work on any browser work on any device and that link is secure and time bound and that data is submitted into a very secure compliant um, back end stays in the UK with good data governance in place. And like we're very clear about the data, you know, like the data processing, we approached Department of Health and Social Care on it. So like we've put that in place. And so that, and then, that, so they, they click on that link, submit their details, and then we say to them, what days would you like to test? And they say Monday and Thursday. And they opt in and submit those details. And then on Monday, we send them an email and we say, please submit your test result. Right, and it's again, it's this secure link. Um, they can they submit the date they took the test, the test strip number. We're adding QR code reading to make it even easier. You know, so it's like a put that information in, give us your result, and then if it's positive, we'll give you some information about what to do next, and like kind of link through to the PCR testing platform. If it's invalid, we'll send you an email and ask you to take a repeat test. If it's negative, we'll just log that, and then we make all of this data available in the format that PHE require it and then they download it on the trust side securely and upload it to the uh, point of care testing platform we would love for that to be an API <laughs> and of, of course, course we would submit it that way but I think that was asking a bit too much <laughs> so that's, I think that's a much better balance of uh, security convenience privacy we're getting better engagement every day with it um, that's where companies like Infinity can be useful. And I don't think that sort of innovation comes from the center. It comes from the center saying, you need to look at digital solutions that meet these standards. And so I, I, I fully champion like organizations like NHSX, NHS Digital, creating the roads. And by that, I mean the procurement frameworks, the governance standards, the interoperability standards, 
and the ways of working and the portability of data. Yeah, it's just creating the rules that you can play by. And then you guys can do the innovating and you guys can do the build and you guys can do the testing because frankly, there's enough money swimming about to fund you guys to do it. And that's where the the speed and the and the ideas can all play and can all execute if it's allowed to. And it is an interesting point. One thing that I do want to talk about here actually is that for me, so I really like that. What what you did, you know, spotting the need. Okay, here's a here's a system testing twice a week. It's currently done on an Excel sheet, which is either behind the firewall no one can access at home, or indeed it's just impossible to use. Like it's it's a nice it's a nice problem to solve. I think it's interesting to me that you had access to that and that you had knowledge of that and that you had a really deep understanding of that just because of your position in the space. It's interesting yeah. to me that because you were in and around this stuff, you could see that problem was happening. And it, and it hits me now, you know, this is the sort of thing that when I was a junior doctor and I was doing quality improvement projects all the time, you know, I tried to overhaul the discharge summary process and was just like, this is ludicrous. This needs changing. Um, and got developers around a table with consultants and other juniors and figured out we just need a white space box rather than this nonsense that slows the computer down and takes eight minutes to like change the page. Like we can just have a white space that we can type things and we don't need to type out all the blood tests and all this stuff. We can just be this way. But that strikes me that a lot of people have access to seeing that problem too. And I think, again, it's interesting to me that whenever there's a big change in something, it doesn't have to be all bad. There's opportunity for things. And I just, I, I kind of know in my heart and in my bones that like if, if I was hearing of twice a week testing was going to have to happen and we're currently doing it on an Excel sheet, my, my first feeling, because I was very emotive in my early 20s, my first feeling would be this is ridiculous. Like this is just non. Why are we having to do this? This is so unsafe. Like the data is going to get leaked. Like. Uh, you know, I'd have caused the scene and like told someone off and like like having no right to do it. And they would have made you a fellow. That's what they would have done. They, that, that's that's not the way it done. went. That's not that's not that's not the way my junior doctorship went. It was just making a nuisance of myself until someone had to listen, which I, I look back and just think that really wasn't the right approach to get things done and it did slow me down massively. But um I, I do think, you know, you, you come to the end of that quip career, you know, I'd have taken a decent stab at that. I'd have, I'd have probably found you guys. I'd have probably just got in touch and been like, can you help us solve this problem? Because that, I saw that as my role as a junior. I saw, I saw me as, a, as someone that understood the ground floor, understood the computer systems and could actually have a conversation with tech companies. And so I think for people listening, whether, you're, whether you are a tech company that can do something or whether you're a junior doctor or nurse or psychologist or, or anything on the clinical ground floor that, that can spot problems, if you can articulate it to some people that might be able to solve that problem with you, you can, you can forge yourself a really meaningful week or day or career even. And I think honestly, that it, it, it's a really cool ability for you, Elliot, as an entrepreneur to have access to that problem, because I can see that you can go on a quick journey of understanding everything about the problem, figuring out with your team, like what we think the solution could be and you can build it. And that's a really nice closed shop. Yeah. I think if I'm going to take a positive out this year, it's that the team. So the, um, yeah, I, I didn't recognize the problem, right? That we, like, it, <laughs> we were in, like, I take no credit for any of this, uh, I, but we were, you know, we're, 
uh, maybe maybe I can take some credit for like positioning us to be in the right place at the right time so that it did come to us and we were the right team. But the the truth is like so this is what the this was the gauntlet that was laid down, right? And what we said to ourselves was if we're going to be useful here, we have to be useful by next Friday. Right. And this was sort of Wednesday, right? Uh, of the week before. So like we all sat down. I had a you know some very frank conversations with like our implementation team, our engineering team, and we said like can can we do this? Can 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 we get this done? Because if we don't do it by Friday, there's no point doing it at all, really. Um, and then we decided, yeah, we can do this. And the reason why we could do this is because we were willing to be essential. Like, what needs to be done? What's must have? Like, any good startup is going to know what Moscow prioritization is. You know, must, should, could, would, won't. You know, um, and I think that we were able to turn around something quite miraculous in that time. I'm just really proud of them. Um, and all credit to them, really. But I don't, I think that's what the, the, we have. We have teams that are capable of solving problems. Um, and we have intent like, and persistence. Like we know, I think we're driven by something that's maybe different in a, in a large organization or in a government body. Um, and it's not just money. You know, it really, really isn't. There are much, much easier ways to make money. I've said it so many times before, but um, it, it, it's a very, but it's true, but it is a very big problem. Um, and I, I think that, like, look, let's look at the vaccine now, right? So we've now got to get that out. You know, if, if companies like Dr. Doctor um, or, or Q Doctor, uh, like they have established systems for booking millions of vaccines, vaccine appointments, they can do this with, you know, blindfolded with their hands tied behind their back. <laughs> and so w w why wouldn't you incentivize those companies to solve this? And then you'd have like 10 great compliance solutions out there. And if two or three of them aren't up to snuff, then so be it and they fall by the wayside and it becomes a meritocracy again and the market benefits and great companies thrive doing really good meaningful work that's a good thing and so i just and i'm i i we're talking now i think you're going to like this is what a week or two away before this goes out so i could look like a fool but my feet my feeling is that we're, like it's questionable whether or not we're going to make a really good go of rolling this vaccine out and coordinating it i think we can play a role but i also think that there are other companies out there that can play a, you know, an immediate role in it and um I, th I think we should give them space and the opportunity to do that yeah i like that about space and opportunity i, I like that in the sense of healthcare is a collection of services not a collection of products i've said it so often that any company that creates a product has to turn that into a service. And you're right. The people that you've mentioned have done that. They've, they've, they've completely solved problems end to end. They've given the ability to solve problems end to end, and they can gift that to those organizations. It's interesting about ideas as well. And it's interesting about the ability to execute. When you take the responsibility off the center to do that, and you frankly, as you say, build the infrastructure and the roads and just say to people, it's now open season, <laughs> just, just go for it. The people that are already incentivized to do that stuff are then just going to start creating, which they have done to an extent. And I like that. I like the idea of really leaning into that. Do you think 
do you think there's more to do on that then? Do you think there's far more of the center not building and the center building more infrastructure? Do you think it's more that the startup side need to grasp that more and show their value more to enable it? I mean, what, what, how do you think we get to the next stage on that stuff? Yeah, I think I think there's a healthier balance um, coming, and I think all, I, I'm you are not going to get me to say a bad word about um, sort of the the ideas behind NHSX and what mm. NHS Digital do. I think they play an enormously important role, um, and it, it's never going to be perfect um, right off the bat. But the, my my experience of it is they're very receptive they're they're adapting quickly the team that the the nhsx is building in my opinion is amazing i i, I have the privilege of knowing something <laughs> um and i've got to know more and they've you know earlier in the year um rod joyce at nhsx reached out to us um and they were interested in what we're doing around evidence generation during the pandemic mm. you know and they sat down a team of them like spent an hour with us understanding like the new ways that we were trying to measure impact the what we were doing around data what the challenges were um and seeing what they could do to help so i i, I think what they're doing is great um but yeah i think the strategy that they have is right it's just going to take a while for this to really um like start to have some big wins but like agreeing and revising simplifying making fairer procurement processes right they're doing some great work on that governance processes simplifying that making that better right um and standardizing it they've done some great work on that work on ai like what the indra was doing amazing like the the i think that there's an enormous opportunity for technology to play a key role in making healthcare better safer cheaper or better value um an enormous and i wouldn't say it's an opportunity i think this is like an absolute need globally and the uk has an enormous opportunity we have some amazing companies that have solved these problems not could solve them solve them you mentioned chiron uh, there's viz.ai have done some amazing things in ai um but also like the process people like us like dr doctor then there's the digital therapeutic space there's such an opportunity to do good work here but you, you being on the other side of this microphone and not being on the front line anymore is a bit of a worry to me because we, I, as I say, this is not something we do to anybody, right? Mm. So we need you on the other side saying this is a problem and I'm willing to invest in helping it get solved. And you need that reception and that vision on the other side. And have you ever heard Stephen talk about this? Stephen no. from Echo. So Stevens was spoke quite openly about it. I think he wrote an article about it as well, talking about how it's one thing to be sort of like bringing innovation to the NHS, but for it to work, you need great people on the other side. Mm. And I think perhaps that's something that the centre could do, which is incentivize. I, I thought that. about this before, you know, and when I when I was a junior, that the NHS Clinical Entrepreneur Program didn't exist. And obviously that's Tony Young's program where he finds the, or gets the, uh, the innovative clinicians to apply who have got their own companies or startups or they're, they're intrapreneurs and they're doing interesting projects, but he's, there's hundreds of them now, hundreds. And, yeah. it, and I, 
I must wonder, maybe I should get Tony on here and have a chat to him about it. Um, you should definitely be talking to him. I haven't actually spoken to Tony before, but I, I feel like I know the man through his I've, entrepreneurs. I've done some work with Tony, but yeah, I should probably get him on to speak about it because I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think there are so many latent ideas that exist in that group because they have the access and they've got an entrepreneurial mind at the very least. So survival instinct as well right I mean, none of us that is useful right the the constraints in which startups operate where the lights could always go out yeah. is the motivating factor to be like you have more oh, incentive right. to be useful <laughs> and i think <laughs> i was talking about this last night do you know so apple have recently like it's kind of completely <laughs> like, it's not talking about health tech. although like this plays a role in health. Um, their M1 chip, Apple have like uh, gone arm on their desktop and laptop OS, right? So it's all very exciting and very technical, but they're getting much more power, you know, to per watt ratio out of these chips. And that's amazing. And this is what a $2 trillion valuation company. This is the most important thing to them. Like the brains of their devices are more efficient, use less battery, they're more powerful, they can do more things for longer. This is the fuel, right? You'd think that a company with unlimited resource would make the budget for their silicon design team unlimited. But they, it's probably the most constrained resource they have because the best work is done under those sorts of constraints. And I think that's why the best innovations are coming from these companies that like, we're forged out of something that it doesn't exist in companies where you don't have that fit. It's, it's I, completely, I completely agree. And I've said it for a long time that there is this role that exists for people on the ground floor that are innovative, that they're just given the time, the space, the freedom and a bit of resource to go and innovate and get things done. I'd have, I'd have done everything in my power to, to be that person. Throughout and now there are people like that. So Tony it's has elevated. Now and, and yeah, but Ash. But do you know? Do you know Ash Karai from? Yes, um, Medshap. Yeah, Medshap. And um, uh, I spoke to uh, Najib at um, uh, Leeds Teaching Hospitals, who, um, you say, intrapreneur, had developed mm. has developed and developing this thing called. I think it's called Reader. It's like um, a more practical early warning score and sort of uh, stratification system for emergency medicine. And Tony has given sort of a, a way to accelerate those ideas and a platform for those people and a means. I, I, I applaud it enormously. Um, any endeavor like that that allows innovation and collaboration with, uh, you know, industry um, to flourish, I think is a great thing. They should be the distributors of things like Infinity, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one. You need day. to deliver another one of those presentations to them, mate. That I saw. <laughs> I, I, I tell so many people about this. For our listeners, you'll hear. If you want to hear about that presentation, go back to the first episode on this that I did with Elliot, where I uh, talk with detail on the incredible presentation that I was delivered way before I did anything entrepreneurial, um, and was incredibly intimidated by just how ludicrously smooth this presentation was but you can hear all about that in the previous episode but we've run out of time buddy um i've got to shoot mm -hmm. but pleasure having you on as always always nice um, yeah it's lovely to see you i hope for a much better 2021 oh for everybody and mate, continued honestly. success absolutely but uh we'll get we'll get you back on in 2021 we can we can shoot it further <laughs>
try and do some interesting something interesting to talk about. <laughs> you did plenty, mate. Keep cracking. Top, top one hundred next year. Oh well, absolutely. Oh, number one oh four. If anyone saw my Spotify <laughs> metrics, number one oh four. Couldn't believe it. Uh, all that top oh, one hundred marketing I had that I could have done. <laughs> uh, that is in business, though. Number one in health tech. Let's just call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, you're always number one. <laughs> on on that right. bombshell. Let's leave it there, <clears throat> Elliot. Pleasure, Lovely dude. Talking to you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.